Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. So good to have you here with us for another episode of the Speaker Lab podcast. Now, this is a uh, our second interview of a four-part series where, where I am introducing each member of our amazing leadership team. And today I'm going to be joined by our very own Chris Sayo. Now, Chris serves as our director of marketing and has spearheaded our marketing efforts uh, literally since day one when he joined the team. And he's just one of those guys who's just absolutely crushing it here. And uh, today you're going to hear why. You're going to hear why. What one of the things that makes the culture here at TSL so special? He talks about why this is actually the best gig that he's ever worked at, what he's learned about the speaking industry, and also why he's so encouraged by the opportunity for TSL to continue growing and serving speakers. He also is going to talk about the some of the common misconceptions and fears about how to market yourself, how to find your audience, and why it's so important to build your brand. Chris is a, a literal marketing wizard, is such a valued member here of TSL. And I'm so excited for you to learn from his experience and to soak up the insight that he has to share. So let's get right into it. Here's my conversation on marketing in the speaking industry with Chris Sayo. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Walden here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, we are joined uh, by an in-house guy. We're joined by Mr. Chris Sayo, uh, who's our director of marketing here at the Speaker Lab. Uh, Chris, how are you feeling today? Are you excited? Are you nervous? What, what's the vibe you got right now? Grant, I'm feeling great. It is uh, an honor to be on the other side of the curtain. I'm usually the guy, you know, the Wizard of Oz who is behind the curtain, uh, you know, making things happen. But here I am on the other side for once. So Well done. Well done. It's good to have you here. Uh, well, first of all, before we dig into just kind of marketing and, and big picture, let's talk about like your role. What do you do here at Speaker Lab? How you got here? So uh, paint, paint us a picture here. What Like, what is your role? What do you do on a day-to-day basis for the Speaker Lab? Yeah, so... Allegedly, I was hired to be the director of marketing. (laughs) Um, And uh, essentially what that entails is ensuring that speakers are aware of who we are, kind of being um, a presence online, uh, at essentially meeting them wherever they're at, uh, ensuring that they understand how we help and equip them to get booked and paid to speak, um, and just be a resource to the speaking community. So uh, I manage the online presence. I manage kind of generating leads, uh, helping people work through our, or at least see if our elite program is a good fit for them. Right. And uh, yeah, managing just that whole process from, from start to to finish that. now uh, let's talk about how you got to the speaker lab because it was kind of a uh, kind of interesting because uh when we were looking for to hire for your role uh i had uh, I, we have a i guess a mutual friend who had mentioned uh you to uh-huh. me i looked into your stuff i was like oh i think this guy could be a good fit 
I reached out and you didn't take us super seriously at first. <laughs> and it took some convincing to be like, no, no, like this is legit. This is a good opportunity. <laughs> um, so talk us through like, how did you get here? What was your impression when, what, whenever you first started kind of learning about the speaker? Because in fact, most people who come and eventually work here are come from our audience, are familiar with us. We've got about 20 people on the team currently. And pretty much everybody, I think maybe except you, came from uh -huh. like with the familiarity <laughs> of coming from our audience. So when you first hear about the Spiegel Lab and uh, we're trying to recruit you to, to come work with us, what's kind of, what's, what was it like from, from your perspective? Yeah. So, I mean, we had a mutual friend, Brian Harris, and uh, I heard about the Spiegel Lab through him. Uh, I had never heard of it before. Didn't have any context on it. So I went to the website uh, saw that it was built on click funnels when I first started. And I think I just, <laughs> as a marketer, so used to uh, Facebook ad to click funnel websites that I thought, Oh man, it's one of these companies, but uh, <laughs> thankfully I did not stop there. So got, got a little deeper into it, did some research. Um, and after having several conversations with Grant, getting them a little bit better, uh, I realized that, you know, this is not, uh, that run on the mill Facebook ad click funnels company that my Facebook marketer impressions might, might have me to believe. Yeah. How is it similar <laughs> so, or different than what you expected? Because like when you, even when we first started talking, like you were, you were coming from a, a world where you were working a lot. It was a high pressure job. Yeah, um, you were yeah. gone a lot. You were starting a family. Um, and so you were, um, I knew you were looking for a change of scenery, but at the same time, like, um, I, I knew it seemed like you were a little concerned that the, uh, no matter what I would say, as far as like, man, we do things differently here that they're still just like, yeah, but do you, uh, so yeah, like, what was, yeah. how was it similar or different than what you expected, uh, now being on this side of things? Yeah. So I'm coming, I came from a job where I was working, you know, 60, 60 hours a week. And then I had like a 10 to 15 hour commute. So overall, like mentally, physically, emotionally, I was like 80 hours a week at my old job and uh, trying to start a family wasn't really looking to keep that pace because it's, I, at least for me, not sustainable. So um, as I was talking to Grant and he talked about valuing people, uh, of course, I was skeptical, um, talked about work-life balance. Of course, every employer is going to say to that to you as you're being recruited. Um, but it's actually better on the inside than it was on the outside. So my expectations, maybe I'm just a pessimist and a cynic, but I set my expectations low so that I can be surprised. But uh, it, in this case, it wasn't just that I set expectations low. It's that um, when I got to work here, uh, Grant, you don't actually micromanage me. You essentially gave me permission to blow up your entire marketing system from day one. <laughs> um, rebuild everything and gave me complete ownership of it and were very hands-off um, that in ways that really just communicated that you trusted me and this is why I hired you and was very refreshing um, because um, I think it's pretty rare in the workplace. Yeah. So I, I was able to essentially, you know, be judged based on the outcomes that I was able to produce and uh, be given the autonomy to do so. And that's just been a very refreshing, exhilarating, fun experience so far. 
Um, so for someone I on guess, the outside, no, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, uh, in terms of, um, outside, yeah. Looking in expectations generally, this kind of sounds like hypey, but yeah, it really did exceed my, my, uh, expectations coming in. What would be something for someone who's been like, cause we have people who've listened to the show for years or people who follow the speak lab for, for years. What's something about working here that most people may not realize. Um, that everyone here, like at least half, half of the employees here are speakers and getting speaking gigs and are in the trenches with speakers. Yeah. So it's not like Grant is, you know, he's obviously the face of the brand in many ways, but between, you know, Eric and Mary Alice and Nanette and Rick and Dan um, and Matt and Jim, I mean, Brittany, like literally half our company are speakers. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they're not just, you know, peddling speaker lab. Um, they're, they're in the trenches. They're doing it. They understand the pain points and they have a real passion for helping people just like them because they understand the, the experience, uh, the rush of delivering an awesome speech, getting a standing ovation, feeling like they just did what they were supposed to do on stage. And all of that, um, all of that really just adds to the culture of making the speaker lab kind of unique in the marketplace as it seeks to serve the speaking community. What do you enjoy most about working here? I definitely love the culture. Um, Just the, you know, we, when Grant says he values people, uh, he actually does (laughs) just plain and simple. Like I, uh, when I first started, my wife and I were trying to start a family uh, and we have since had a kid and just the entire time Grant has been super uh, supportive of me being a new father, uh, me being a husband through transition, uh, just being more present in general for my family through this transition. Um, and he really, really like, yeah, just thinks about how to make this the best work culture. I mean, we talk about all the time, how, um, how do we make sure this is a place that you never want to leave? And he, he doesn't just think about it. He implements things, benefits, uh, incentives to keep people around. Uh, he gives them the autonomy to trust and trust to execute on what they're good at. And he's just picked the right people for the right places on the bus. So like, I can trust our sales director. I can trust our director of student success. I can trust our director of operations. There's not this internal, um, basically everyone is exactly where they're supposed to be. And that's why the ship runs so effectively. And as a kind of coming from high growth startups where things were breaking and we were moving too fast, we, we essentially want to grow as an organization, but we want to do it without sacrificing our souls and our families. And uh, that's pretty rare, I think in today's work environment. So Yeah. yeah, definitely love the, just the, the culture that is truly lived out and it's not just a few maxims on a slack board yeah, yeah. very true well said 
Hey friends, do you know the five steps to book more gigs and get paid as a speaker? Well, if not, listen up because these same five steps to help me to grow a seven figure speaking career are all laid out in great detail in my latest book, The Successful Speaker. Five steps for booking gigs, getting paid and building your platform. Whether you want to speak as a side hustle or your dream is to become a full-time professional speaker, I know what it takes. I share all of that with you in this definitive step-by-step roadmap. Let me be your guide. Learn from my mistakes. Get paid what you know you're worth to share your unique message on stage. If you want to read the first chapter for free or just check out the book, go to thespeakerlab.com slash book. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash book. Check out your copy of The Successful Speaker. All right, let's shift gears. Let's talk about marketing for a second. So um, you you mentioned like a lot of our team uh, is booking gigs and, and uh, trying to book gigs. You're, you would not necessarily be in that category. Uh, you're not right. actually actually trying to book gigs, but you are thinking mm-hmm. about how do you, um, you know, we have a, a good size audience. You're trying to think about how do you best uh, market that message to that audience. And ultimately you're trying to get our, you know, our audience and people who are familiar with us and aren't familiar with us to take some type of action um, mm-hmm. every single day, which is exactly what speakers are trying to do. So let's kind of talk about marketing in general. What, what are, what are like, as you're going throughout your day and you spend a lot of time thinking about marketing, what's kind of the framework that you're thinking about? What are some of the biggest things that you've noticed that, that make a difference or have worked for us whenever it comes to marketing that would apply to a speaker? Yeah. So much of marketing is just empathy. So Put yourself in the shoes of your target customer, target client, target decision maker. Like what are their fears? What are their dreams? What are their hopes? What are their pain points? And really think about, yeah, just like what is their life actually like? And how do they think? What are the words that they used to think? Um, If you like I think so much of marketing is people boil it down to like social media or, you know, I just need to run Facebook ads or run my Twitter account or create more videos or create more content. But really it's like, you need to know your customer and you need to know how to help them in unique ways. Uh, So I think marketing, at least for me, and I think this is just universal. So like marketing is about people and their desires and how to do that ethically is by being unique, uniquely helpful to them in those situations. So for the speaker lab, uh, I'm not actually a speaker, uh, but having been working here, having worked here for over 18 months now, uh, I understand that for most of our customers, uh, they have some area of expertise that they wanna formalize into a speech that they want to offer to a certain audience. And that entire process to begin with is intimidating. Uh, The confidence that comes with, you know, going out and doing a side hustle and getting in front of people, like one, they love getting in front of people, but how do you systematize it so that it can be more predictable? And I think that's where a lot of our students need help. Like they have a passion, they have an idea of the speech that they want. Uh, And we kind of just polish and, tighten areas that we know are going to help them position themselves better in the marketplace. So um, I'm kind of going all over the place with this. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. One of the things that you mentioned was 
at the beginning, you know, um, well, you mentioned like marketing in general, is just empathy and figuring out like mm-hmm. what your, your customers hopes and dreams are. And one thing we, we talk with speakers about is there's a difference between who your customer is and who your buyer is, meaning that, or who your audience mm-hmm. is and who your buyer is, meaning that, um, you know, let's say uh, if we go back several years, when I got started speaking, I was doing, I was largely speaking to, uh, high school audiences. So mm-hmm. speaking a lot to, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds, but they weren't necessarily, they were the audience, but they weren't necessarily the buyer. And so the buyer right. was the decision maker, the, you know, 45 year old, uh, principal or conference planner. That was the one that was actually booking me. So I think it's important to like, really make sure that, that, um, for speakers that were distinguishing, but between the two and who mm-hmm. it is that we're trying to, mm-hmm. to, me- to market to and message to. Um, and so how do you think about that? Like, how do you determine who the actual decision maker is? Cause I know even like with what we do, we may be marketing to someone, but they may have a business partner, a spouse, a boss, someone else that also has to either that's ultimately the decision maker or ultimately has to buy off, uh, sign off on it. So how do you think about that of really determining who the actual decision maker is and what their pain points are um, and how that may be different than what the, the audience, so to speak, could be. Yeah. Um, for most of our, our customers, um, just thinking in terms of getting to the actual pain points, um, I just try to have as many conversations or talk to them as, as much as possible. So as a, as a marketer for the speaker lab, I'm talking to speakers uh, and not their audiences. Right. So if they're speaking to uh, maybe they speak on diversity and um, they're trying to just figure out how to start their businesses, I'm going to be talking to the speaker and really asking them what their pain points are, what their dreams are. Um, and really just have conversations with them. That's honestly, it's like very simple, (laughs) but uh, if I guess if I'm, if I'm trying to make recommendations to a speaker, um, you're going to want to just reach out and network with different event planners and try to understand what they are looking for, the outcomes that they want for a keynote or um, a workshop or a consulting gig. Right. So if you were, if you were starting from scratch, whether again, it's being a speaker or anything, one of the things that I think we have the benefit of today is we have hundreds of thousands of people, uh, on our email list and within our audience, we have, um, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of data points in terms of emails that we've received from people that we've Mm -hmm. taught conversations that we've had, uh, team members that have talked with, with current students, with potential students, with past students. And so we have a lot of input to really be able to synthesize down to really get clear on what those hopes and dreams are. But when you're Mm -hmm. getting started, you don't necessarily have all of that historical data that you can work off of. And so you're kind of like, you're making an educated guess. So if you were, again, whether you wanted to be a speaker or whether you wanted to start a lawn mowing business or you wanted to be, you know, um, uh, an attorney in your area or whatever it may be, some type of service-based business, um, how would you go about figuring out what those, what your customers' true hopes and dreams actually are? Yeah. Um, so honestly, Google is an amazing resource. <laughs> yeah. And just typing in like, you know, if you're, an attorney um, and you're 
trying to market to them, you can literally just Google like local attorney Facebook community and get engaged in like a Facebook group. Or you can um, go on YouTube and study different attorneys and kind of the ways that they talk and the, the different problems that they face and essentially use the internet to deduct uh, generally what a persona, as marketers would call, um, kind of their different hopes and dreams and fears um, that way if I didn't have someone in my network. But I think obviously I would start with my network if there was someone in my network who would fit that category and then just having a conversation with them. And then Google is just an amazing resource. It's so basic, but uh, can yield a lot of results. Yeah. So even from there, like once you start having some of those conversations, cause you can, you know, you could, um, uh, you could exchange some text messages. You could exchange some email. How important is it to uh, either like get on the phone with them or meet in person or, um, cause it feels like there's a lot of nuance there that can be lost in translation via a text message or even via an email versus when you're on a phone or on zoom or, um, even ideally in person with them. So how important is it for you to, uh, like really dig into uh, a lot of the, the feedback that you may be getting on what their actual hopes and dreams may be? I mean, I think it's really important that you just actually talk to them. So for me, that looks like listening to phone calls um, if possible with our reps um, and looking at the different data points, but most people don't have that luxury. So it's really a matter of just putting yourself out there, trying to get in touch with people and having conversations with them. Um, I think most people want to help others. And if you just ask for 15 minutes, um, that is not a huge ask in terms of if you're starting your own business and you're looking for like three pieces of advice around um, who your target customer is. Yeah. How do you think about um, uh, you, whenever you are, whenever you are marketing, you're speaking to a group of people, but you're trying to talk to individuals, right? And so Mm -hmm. when a speaker is reaching out to an event planner, they're trying to talk to one person who's going to make a decision on whether or not they should hire them. But mm-hmm. oftentimes you are, whether you're running a Facebook ad or you're running a, a YouTube video or you're, you're doing something or you're sending out an email to your list, you're communicating to a bunch of people, but you're trying to make it personal. And so someone mm-hmm. feels like this was written specifically to me. So how do you think about the, um, how do you think about the dynamics of that and getting someone to take action and make a decision, um, where something feels more targeted to them versus something that's just kind of generic and vague for anybody and everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think being very specific, you got to know kind of what the next step is. So uh, one is being very clear on what the next step is, but in terms of uh, distinguishing kind of mass broadcast versus um, individual messages, um, a lot of it is just like building rapport uh, and generally using the language that they think with in your email copy. So if uh, you're in the speaking industry and well, myself as the marketing director thinking about speakers, like I know that generally just getting started uh, is a really big pain point for our speakers. So when I can tell them that Grant Baldwin has this, five-step approach speak framework 
that is very clear and concise in terms of helping you better understand your goals and articulate them and move towards them. Uh, that's a really compelling message for someone to hear and get um, and just feel known in terms of the, the message that is coming towards them. And then that leads to a call to action to either reply or move on to the next steps, whatever it is, the next step in your process that you're trying to accomplish um, could lead to that that way. Gotcha. One of the things you touched on earlier is sometimes people feel like marketing um, and I know speakers are, are um, can be guilty of this, that marketing is just uh, posting something on social media. I posted something on Twitter. I posted something on Facebook and now I sit back and I wait. And so it's much more passive. Uh, it's much more reactive than being proactive and actually going out and having those conversations. So um, how do you think about that? Because there are, there are things that we do, whether it's a, you know, it's a Facebook ad or, um, uh, you know, posting something on social media, like, yeah, we do some of those things. Um, or even, you know, putting out content in the terms of this right now, the podcast, um, is you're kind of putting it out there into the world. You're doing some stuff to get, so get some eyeballs to it. But how do you think about that versus the, uh, you know, almost the, the guerrilla marketing of reaching out to people to book a call with us or to, um, you know, getting someone to take some type of action. Um, like, how do you, how do you think about the, the, the passive versus proactive nature of, of marketing? Yeah. So, I mean, the passive part of marketing, I like to call like building awareness. So um, a lot of data would say that it takes, you know, anywhere from 13 to 37 touch points before someone even recognizes your brand and starts to think of you. And that posting part is certainly can be important. Um, I'd say that's more relevant for bigger organizations, not so much for speakers. Um, it is important in that you have a brand and you have an online presence. And when people check you out, their immediate reactions, they're going to read a book by its cover and you want to have your marketing assets in place to create an impression. So that's kind of the, the passive aspect in terms of the active aspect. I, truly believe that life is sales. Like everything is a conversation that you have to go after that you have to use to persuade. And um, most people are so overwhelmed with information that you need to kind of getting back to earlier, what I was saying about empathy, really understand who your target customer or client or event planner is speak to them in a language that they understand um, so that it's, stands out in the information overload that they're swimming in. So they're getting tons of emails, they're getting, you know, they're on social media, but when you really understand your customer, your message to them, whether that's an email um, or your email subject line, it's going to show and it's going to stand out in their, in their inbox. And that's, what's going to get them to respond. And that's just something that you have to learn and really adapt and be, um, always growing in as you level up your, your speaking business, I think. One thing I know that we hear from students um, is that 
uh, students really enjoy the speaking part. Like that's, you know, a big part of, the, of what they yeah. want to do. I want to be a speaker. But one thing we always try to remind students of is, is a big part of being a speaker is doesn't have anything to do with speaking. It's, it's the marketing part. It's the sales mm-hmm. part. And for mm-hmm. a lot of people, that part is intimidating. I don't want to sell myself. I don't want to market myself. And part of the unique thing about this is that as a speaker, like you are the product, you are the brand, mm-hmm. like that's what people are, are buying. It's not like I'm, I'm selling this, you know, tool or gadget or, or widget or whatever it may be. Um, so how do you, uh, any thoughts that you would have for speakers in terms of, um, uh, not being intimidated by the marketing and sales process, but recognizing that if you want to speak, here's, here's some of the table stakes. Here's some of the, like the prerequisites of you yeah. have to do this in order to be able to, to book the gigs and just kind of getting over the fear or maybe it's some of the stigma around not wanting to market anything, let alone myself personally. Yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of stigma around marketing and sales, like for good reason. There's a lot of like non-quality bad stuff out there, but good marketing and sales, you don't even know you're being marketed to or sold to. You're, you're just known and you're understood and you're being helped. So in terms of marketing, you're, um, you're educating, you're offering solutions to problems that they don't know exist. And with sales, you're just showing them whether it's like an, a conversation, you're just showing them the path to get there. And this, it's kind of blended between marketing and sales. And you kind of have to be doing both as a speaker where you're on your own business, but um, the most effective and best marketing and sales always is helpful. And um, yeah, is, is helpful at the end of the day. And yeah. And I it's, think it's not slimy. It's not being pushed in your face. It's um it's, it's actually meant to uh, get you closer to what you actually want. Yeah. One thing we remind speakers of regularly is when you reach out to, let's say when you reach out to an event planner, uh, you're, you're not trying to be a pain in the butt. You're not trying to convince them to um, buy something that they don't need. They're already looking for speakers. They have an audience, they have an event, they have something and they need speakers. So you're not trying to convince them on something that's not going to help them. Like you're actually going to make their life easier. You're just showing them why you are a, a good option for what it is that they're looking for. So um, I think that like it, it's it when you can make that mental shift for speakers, it becomes easier to say, I, I you know, if we talk about it in terms of, of, of COVID right now, not to get anything controversial, but if people are just like, you know, if we go back several months, um, and like people are looking for a vaccine or a cure or something that takes this away. Like you don't have to convince people that like, no, no, you like you, you need that. Like people are going, I, I want something that's going to make me better or it's going to solve the problem that I already have. And so, you know, as speakers, if we're talking to event planners who are already planning on hiring speakers, we're just showing them why we are a good fit. We're providing, again, we're providing a solution to a need that they already have. Um, right. But I it's mean, just making that thing- mental shift to think about it that way. Yeah. And if you're a speaker, you're already naturally inclined towards people right? Because you're addressing an audience. So it's, it's really just human dynamics and relationships. Like how do you be almost like just a a friend to people, you know, how do you, how do you show up when, when you're needed and, you know, be consistent and dependable. Uh, There's a little nuance there between being a friend or a little distinguishing, some distinguishing lines between being a friend and, you know, running your own, business but in many ways there's a ton of overlap 
just yeah. being a good human, just being helpful, just being dependable, making good on what you say you're going to do. Um, and listening and trying to understand where the other person's coming from so that you can be a better resource to them. Yeah. Uh, and, let's, yeah, I, I feel like that's what a lot of marketing and sales boils down to. Uh, on the topic of resources, any obviously there's some nuances to being to marketing as a as a speaker, but just marketing in general, there's a, a lot of good resources. Any good uh, resources out there, books, podcasts, uh, resources that you would recommend people check out? Yeah, I mean, so kind of fundamental marketing concepts. Two titles that come to mind are permission marketing and the Purple Cow, both by Seth Godin. Uh, permission marketing is just this idea that you are uh, not trying to spam people, but you get their permission to send them a message first that uh, you essentially try to create a relationship on the right foot. Um, and that's how you start. And then the purple cow is just this idea that, you know, if there's a bunch of white cows and you see a purple cow, of course, you're going to notice the purple cow. And it's just a, a metaphor for being unique in the marketplace and understanding mm -hmm. that everyone's going to be offering generic, generalities <laughs> and in order to stand out you have to uh just really think about your unique strengths and skills and how that is going to address um people's problems and goals yeah very true uh chris we appreciate the time man and uh if if anyone has ever interacted with anything speaker lab related uh you had most likely something to do with it so uh we appreciate all that you do behind the scenes and behind the curtain to uh to, to help share the speaker lab message with the world and i appreciate all, all that you're doing man it's uh it's an honor and it's awesome to be here man love working with you so uh yeah get after it <laughs> All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps, it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.